da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. So we got one more film, one more movie, one more combo, one more episode of Mad About Movies until Star Wars. Yep, not yet. Mm. Sorry. I know when you uh, saw the notification come on your iPhone, Android, whatever. Flip phone. Razor. Yeah. yeah. Side, sidekick. The podcast app for Razor is sick. We, By the way, <laughs> Kent and I can talk about this. We got an inordinate amount of feedback on that Nokia offhanded comment I made a couple weeks ago. A lot of people mm-hmm. remembering the 3625, whatever the heck it was called. Uh, yeah. So shout out to that. Shout out to Nokia <laughs> and their rotary style <laughs> cell phone. It's always weird when I skip an episode or I can't make it or something. And then I'm usually the one that handles the bulk of our social media stuff. And then we get comments like that. And I'm like, I, I have no clue what this is about. Is this is this like a total non sequitur or was this reference in the episode I missed? And I'm always I just forward it on to you guys. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Whatever device you were on. I'm sure you are anticipating that, but that is to come. We have we've made plans. Uh, we're doing a post game show this coming Thursday of this week, this coming Thursday night. Um, we're going to do that and uh, have our episode out by Friday for everyone doing the Star Wars mania type stuff. And then stay tuned next week for our part two of that, in which we'll all have the weekend to digest it, maybe see it a couple more times, give more detailed thoughts and less reactionary stuff uh the week after but this week we're doing the opposite of star wars and we're talking about the room uh in some context it's uh it's conversations like this that uh i look forward to the most both talking about bad movies and good movies and this is kind of the both best of both (laughs) with the disaster artist and uh so this is one we've been anticipating for a while and this will be our last convo before that and then i'm sure we'll return to oscar season here over the next couple of weeks and in the new year. So looking forward to that. By the way, marking the fifth full calendar year of the Mad About Movies podcast, which is mm. a big accomplishment. Big accomplishment in and of its own right. Um, but we do have movie news to talk about. Lots. Lots to talk about. Um, a little bit of trailer talk coming up as well. Some big um, Tyrannosaurus trailers, <laughs> if you will. If you will have dropped uh, over so the past couple weeks, and uh, we're going to talk about that. But um, we got uh, Golden Globes, I believe, nominees out. So it really is award season when the nominees start flying. Mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. I, you know, before oh, I, I read your note wrong, I, I'm I'm only prepped for Golden Girls. Golden Girls? Well, we knew that. <laughs> I got about 20 minutes. Yeah, your, your multiple Always Golden prepped. Girls solo episodes have taught us that, <laughs> that you know your Golden Girls. Um, before I pass it, I don't you... post those. I just send them to you guys directly. Right. Yeah. They're not fit for public <laughs> consumption. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> they're for our own just fan fiction that we have between ourselves. <laughs> uh, before I pass it on to you, Brian, to to go over some of the the big nominees for the Golden Globes, uh-huh. just kind uh-huh. of the uh, highlight categories here. Um, I feel the Golden Globes is becoming less and less of a of an honor every year. <laughs> it's more of just an excuse to drink and like hand out awards yeah. like, that are kind of sometimes jokes. And it, it's becoming less and less of a reflection of what the Oscar nominees will be every single year. I just want y'all's thoughts on, on that and, uh, and on the nominees, of course. 
Yeah, you know, we like the Globes because what you mentioned, it's just kind it's of a time. party. It's good old rocking They're time. fun, and, you know, you get a lot of jokes and whatnot, and that's good. And every once in a while, uh, they write a wrong. Usually, usually in TV more so than movies, but, like, you know, Michael Scott has a Golden Globe when he does not have an Emmy and, and things like that. So every once in a while, they get this rare opportunity to do the right thing. But, but on the whole, especially, I think um, – in the as it pertains to movies like it's it this is an interesting crop of of decisions that they made here but it's very easy to buy a golden globe nomination just by being friendly to the hollywood foreign press and uh i don't necessarily think that there's a great correlation between uh these nominees and what we're actually going to get come oscars okay. so there's that you know gotcha. keep that in mind yeah it's always always is a fun time. Richard, do you have any thoughts on the Globes in general before we uh, hit these nominees? You know, the Globes is, you know, what all of these things really are, and it's the one that most fully embraces it. Um, <laughs> it is a television show, and uh, so I feel I'm less interested in it. I'm more interested in it during the three hours, and I'm less interested <laughs> in the hype around it, if that makes sense. Um, so it's a good it, – it, it embraces being a television show more, but uh, – <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, 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 sort of honor less. I mean, I don't think people really remember, especially in film, who, who wins these. I, I like, you know, the two things we like about it, like Brian said, it's a little better with TV oftentimes um, than the Emmys. The Emmys, I think, have gotten a little bit better um, yeah. in a sh- on a short-term basis, but I we'll like, see. I like that they separate drama and comedy yes, and Best and that's Picture. the next thing. The, ne- the next that's thing always is, a fun and, combo. and in the lead actors, because... It's always cool. I think the Oscars, you know, what's hurt the Globes over the last couple of years, I think the Oscars have gotten, A, the 10-picture thing helps, best picture thing mm-hmm. in this regard. And then, B, I think they've gotten a little more open with what type of performances can be nominated. Now, still, <clears throat> there's definitely a bias towards not traditional drama, but it's a little more possible, it feels like, um, to be nominated for a comedic performance or at least a lighthearted dramatic performance than it was even 10 years ago. So it sort of hurts the Globes in that regard. But it used to be um, that even something like, honestly, like Lady Bird, you know, may not get an Oscar nomination for performances because it's a comedy. And it's like, okay, well, it's not really, you know, now it will definitely, you know, Laurie Metcalf and and Saoirse Ronan will will be nominated most likely. So it's a little lost, a little luster there. But historically, it's always been fun to be like, oh, cool. Jim Carrey got nominated for Truman Show. You know, there's no way he's going to get an Oscar nomination. uh, I think he he won. won. He won the Globe for the Andy Kaufman thing. So he won both. He won Truman and that. And then he got up and said, I'm the Tom Hanks of the Golden Globes, which was a great (laughs) one because he won back to back years. Um, And so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that used to be historically great. I just think. With the Oscars getting a, a smidge more progressive, it kind of hurts the Globes, but yeah, it's still a great true. TV show. Yeah, and it, it's always funny that they do other two categories because then you can say Best Picture winner, The Hangover. And they're like, what? <laughs> like <laughs> right. it actually yeah. won Best Picture, musical or comedy, that year. You know, <laughs> So they put that huge on all, yeah. all the advertising and stuff. It's funny. It's just uh, – it's a funner – it's a, it's a more lighthearted conversation around the, go- the Globes, and it's kind of a combination between – the Emmys and the Oscars, if they did one show. Mm-hmm. And it, oh, yeah, I always forget about the, the TV other part of it. And then we're watching the ceremony. I'm like, oh, I wonder who's going to win Best Picture, Best Actress. And then it's like, you know, Best <laughs> – talking about, you know, Sheldon and and whatever. I'm like, why, <laughs> why is this in this world? It just doesn't belong here. It just feels weird when, when they involve TV in the same night and the same ceremony. But that's 
that's fun, and uh, you always enjoy the hosts. They always have a good time. Mm-hmm. Tina and Amy. Seth Meyers this year. Yeah. Seth Meyers yeah, this year. That'll be, be fun. That'll be, yeah, uh, be he'll time. take it probably like the White House Correspondents Dinner, you know? It's like a yeah, light, lighter good. crowd, and you can be a little be a little mean. I, I'm interested to see what he does with all the uh, the current For Hollywood sure. situation. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> two things on that. You're totally right there, Kent. As, like I just mentioned, kind of negatives about the Globes in recent years, like it's getting worse in terms of, it's not as exciting just because the Oscars is a little more progressive. The one thing it has going for it more than ever, though, is that sort of um, homogenizing between uh, television and movies in the culture mm-hmm. where TV stars now are. It's not like an A-team, B-team thing like it always was. So it's cool to that see them true. all in the same room. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, Nicole Kidman's here for that Big Little Lies show. But she should be here. She's a movie star. And it like makes right. the show really interesting. Right. And it includes things like you know Game of Thrones and Stranger Things and that conversation with uh, – all the best content of the year and everything. And people just, um, it, it is, it does put, I guess TV is more like movies than ever before. I guess that's the point yeah. I'm trying to say. So, uh, mm-hmm. it does belong more than ever before in that regard. Uh, Brian, let's hit these nominees. All right. I'm going to go through this, the big categories yeah. film wise. I'm not going to mess with TV, uh, draw best picture drama. Call me by your name, Dunkirk, the post, Shape of Water and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, not Ebbing, Montana. I feel like that's kind of the upset there. Just of I wouldn't I I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I just didn't expect it to uh, to find the nomination. So that's that's interesting. Any thoughts there? Do you want me to just keep rolling? Out of the ones you named, I guess besides Dunkirk, I guess I haven't seen the post yet. But I think mm-hmm. I think three billboards is probably the most Oscar-y shoe-in kind of movie that we've talked about at least so far. Um, mm. I haven't seen The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water for me is the one that keeps turning my head. Like, is it really this great? Because to me, Del Toro's stuff has always been. It's like Tim Burton. It's like you love it or you hate it. It's, he has a certain style and he sticks to it, and it's either great so, or or it's not. So I'm excited to so see what I Del saw Toro it, does. With it. You saw oh, it? Oh, you saw it? Yeah. And so it is sort of his big fish. I mean, that as a positive. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's one thing. It is certainly his it's uh, more approachable. Mm, yeah, approachable and a little more, uh, uh, yeah, kind of Oscar-y huh. type thing. Emo- emotional, you know. Uh-huh. Pan's Labyrinth was too, but but I, I, it's a little bit heavy-handed. Okay. In the, some of the, you'll know what I mean when you see it. Okay. It's good. It's very yeah. good. It's very sentimental, and it's very heavy-handed with sort of allegorical things in the culture, um, mm-hmm. which could play. I mean, remember the help won a trillion awards and it was super heavy handed, <laughs> you know? So oh, yeah. it's not quite that lifetime movie, but there, there you'll, I think you guys will share my thought with it. I, it's very good. It's a hard movie to find quibbles with, but I don't think it's great. Okay. Interesting. No, and we'll talk I may about go more see that later Boy, this week. That, yeah. That we'll, we'll get to that at some point over the next couple of weeks um, at some point, but yeah, I just saw that that was kind of the main headline was it got seven or eight nominations overall. I was like, wow, it's I, – I mean, yeah. I guess it's well-deserved. It's going to win a lot of technical it. stuff or cool. be up for technical mm-hmm. stuff, okay. which is cool. Yeah. So that, that stuck Same. out to me, Brian. Well, let's go over the comedies, I guess. Yeah, Best Picture Musical Comedy, Disaster Artist, which we're about to talk about, Get Out, I, Tanya, uh, Lady Bird, and The Greatest Showman. That's the one I think that – has the greatest chance of uh, of not looking great in a couple yeah. weeks because I also That's... read today that Greatest Showman the embargo on that extends to literally the day it opens. So oh, that good is sign. Really good. Good sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So must have paid a lot of people off. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, that reeks of, oh, please come hang, hang out with Hugh Jackman in, like, this movie. Yeah, sort of it's thing. the tourist of this. Which we're up for, by the way, if ever. Yeah, two songs. I love you. Yeah, the tourist was yeah. nominated for, like, a bunch of Golden Globes because they're like, this comes out at Christmas-ish. It's got mm-hmm. Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie in it. I want to hang out with them, and it's apparently good. And then it was, like, absolutely atrocious. And then it's like they pre-nominate based on the press <laughs> right. junket or something. Right. There's some yeah. very uh, awardsy kinds of movies that I saw advertised for this time of year that either didn't come out or didn't get the. Remember that Andrew Garfield one about polio? Wasn't that supposed to be this year? Yes, it yeah. came out this year, and I don't even know the title. It's called of it. Breath or Breathe or something. Breathe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And then there's that one how with pissed, uh, how pissed. Uh... What's his name? Eddie Redmayne did not get that part. <laughs> exactly. That super Oscar Beatty part. Oh, I live for that. Under him, yeah. I can and limp. Five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I have no clue when that movie came out. And never... down, downsizing yeah. is another one. Downsizing yeah. too. Yeah. Those these ones that come around, out around this time and uh, just I guess oh the awards are just they're not awards worthy. I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean in a movie like Star Wars, they were not letting anyone see it, so that's why. It's not nominated in any anything, not even technical stuff. Um, so that's not a good reflection. But yeah, it's it's definitely different every year when it comes to these these awards. So um, it's mm-hmm. harder and harder. Get Out it, it being classified as comedy too is is a talking point. Um, it has comedic yeah. elements for sure with the the sidekick kind of guy, you know, uh, the TSA guy. That's funny, but overall, it's not funny. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, I think but they. It's disturbing. I think they, used, I mean, they did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah can they, win. They, they ran they, it as a comedy. I think it probably uh, will win. Which is smart. Think. Yeah, uh, maybe Lady and, Bird. I don't know. And and uh, you're right there. They totally did it on purpose. But also, I think you know they should probably change that from like musical and comedy to just like genre. You know, like not is, yeah, not a drama. Anything that's not a drama is in this category. And even put animated in there and just mm-hmm. like. You know, it's stuff that's not going to get nominated for Oscars. Other. Best. Yeah. yeah other. <laughs> that would be, that would be awesome. But that, that is the category, like I said, that leads to the most fun d- talking points after, after the fact. So let's go hit the acting like, or directing or whatever's next. Yeah. 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 The acting best actress in a drama, Jessica Chastain for Molly's Game, Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water. Francis McDormand for Three Billboards, Meryl Streep, The Post, and Michelle Williams for All the Money in the World. Oh, which it's, is it's going to be between not for, a lot of nominations, so that one may be yeah, interesting as well. It's going to be between Francis and Meryl. It's like JLD going against yes Amy Poehler. Yes. Like I, I don't know who to who to what to compare that to, but just like the two titans of what we <laughs> what we know as acting today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I might pull. I haven't seen The Post yet, but. Um, I can't wait. I feel like I don't. I don't know. I feel like the Globes are more pro Merrill than the Oscars. Is that possible? I just feel yeah, like that from, what, from what I hear, uh, this is you know we talked about this before a little bit. I think this is real Merrill. This is the Merrill performance that she'll get nominated for like three more Oscars that aren't very good because of it. You know how she has that like every five years where yeah. it's like she totally deserves it. She should totally win. And then we kind of overvalue it and, and nominate her for things it's like that Julian maybe Julia. She it's like, it's yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Cooking movie. Yeah. <laughs> Other actresses would not be nominated for, but she gets it because she was she's nominated Meryl, for like that so one where she was in the band. What was it? Yeah. That's, <laughs> yes. Ricky and the Flash. She yeah. is like, actually nominated for that. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, Devil Wears Prada <laughs> totally deserves it. Okay, great. And yeah. then she gets nominated for Ricky and the Flash. And you're like, 
Okay, so I think this is more in the Devil Wears Prada <laughs> well, category where exactly. Yeah. So uh, from what I hear, she's really incredible. Well, I, I I got a pool for uh, one of the two American treasures, Frances McDormand or Meryl <laughs> Streep for that one. Sally Hawkins, I'm sure, is great. I love her. Love her too. So, yeah. Well, it's a strong category yeah. this year. Yeah, not not always that way. It's pretty good this time. Uh, best actor in a drama is Timothy Chalamet from Call Me by Your Name, Daniel Day Lewis, Phantom Thread, Tom Hanks, The Post, Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington in that Roman J. Israel Esquire that is hanging oh, wow. around despite yeah. not really getting great buzz or mm-hmm. what. It's, it's that's Denzel, an interesting one. So. But it has Denzel, yeah. so yeah. I mean, that's a pretty packed field as Denzel's well. Denzel's got a pretty good record. Uh, man, I, you got to go Those Gary Oldman, names. right? Pretty good, man. Those are some pretty good names. Yeah, Gary Oldman. I think it's going to be clean sweep. I'm always, yeah, I'm always there for Gary Oldman, but Daniel, Day, Daniel Day-Lewis' yeah, final performance, perhaps, and then Tom Hanks in a very... It's you know, it's a heavyweight division best actor yeah. this year. It's awesome. I, it's I, gonna would, be a I would put the uh, the Globe with Oldman and the, the Oscar with Day-Lewis. That's what I... That's how I would think it would fall i, I would think okay. they would be more open to the to the the makeup and the whole transformation and everything at the globes it seems seems that way again phantom thread didn't get nominated for best picture at the globe so maybe they're not super into that and uh we'll see i don't know but yeah super stacked mm-hmm. wow maybe the yeah. maybe the most of the past couple of years that i can remember yeah res resume wise that might be the, the best ever i'd have to yeah. look through but like at this point in all of their careers I don't know if you could find three in a in any category ever that have that type of resume. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's nuts. That would be like uh, and you know, a director I mean, year with like grief. Spielberg, PTA, and Tarantino or something, and all in mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. going for best director. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty. New Bowl. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget uh, for postal uh, doctor <laughs> doctor. Uwe. I was gonna say dead or alive is my favorite <laughs> about the. Uh, Beach volleyball killers or whatever it is. Go ahead. <laughs> Real movie, folks. Uh, best actress in a new comedy: Judy Dench for Victoria and Abdul. That I didn't know existed. Uh, Margot Robbie for I Tonya. Uh, Cersei, Cersei Ronan. Did I say that right? I always yeah, feel like I'm butchering that one. I think it's, yeah, Cersei. Cersei, like Cersei. We say Cersei okay. like Game of Thrones because we're like Game of Thrones cool people. Okay. All right, no, it's, cool. it's Cersei. Cersei. Yeah. Hey, real quick, I want to interject. Kent, next yeah. time you go up to Seattle, I'm yeah. going to come with you, and we're going to ro- we'll rent a car. We're going to road trip north up into the the hinterlands of uh, Vancouver, and we're going to go to Uwe Bowl's restaurant that he owns there. <laughs> I, I can tell you're on an Uwe Bowl wormhole right now on go- on Wikipedia or whatever. And how did you know that? I uh, it's on his Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> Early 2018, guess, Bowl opened guess, a German German oh, restaurant. German restaurant. Wow! I was, in I Vancouver, called Bell House. He hired Stefan Hartman as the chef, who earned a Michelin star at his own restaurant in Berlin. The restaurant has earned some acclaim from reviewers. So you do and you, I are going to go. Do you think and... it's like a Hard Rock Cafe of Uwe Bowl, and they just got like his memorabilia <laughs> all around there? Like, <laughs> it'd be really be funny. This was the underwear he wore while he was shooting uh, <laughs> the Doom movie or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be hilarious if his restaurant gathered far more acclaim than his entire movie career. <laughs> that would be pretty great. 
Pretty You know great. what? Yeah, not a great director, but makes a mean roast beef sandwich. Like, <laughs> yeah, really good yeah. roast beef. Like, can't, can't put him down. believe yeah. the BLT. Yeah. Just, just love the, uh, the Wiener Schnitzel. Spielberg's is, is on point. BLT is not nearly as good as this. Spielberg's <laughs> BLT is terrible. Yeah. Trash, comparatively. All right. Okay. Supporting actors. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, Emma Stone for Battle of the Sexes, which we totally missed, and I'm bummed about that. I'm gonna have to catch that one on. Everyone did something. I know. No one it saw them. Came out at an awful time. And Helen Mirren for something called The Leisure Seeker, which sounds like the most Golden Globe nomination of all time to me. Like Dame Helen Mirren, The Leisure Seeker. They just want to hang out. With they Helen just said Mirren. that. Yeah, that uh, who doesn't? I do, too, but you know. Yeah, she was the. That was exotic. Just a it didn't even come out, but it had Helen Mirren in it, so they nominated it. Like that's what. Oh, happened. it's Donald Sutherland too. Mm. Uh, mm. Let's see. Yeah, cool. Good. I hope it's awesome. It's Paulo Verzi, so obviously it's good. Mm. Well, you know the man who so made La Pazagola and Il Capital Humano. So all classics. Sounds, sounds I great. I gave a Bella Vita. Well, let, let's see uh, who do you think is going to win that one. Probably Sersha. Yeah, Saoirse. I think so. I think that's first. Yeah. Let's see. Actor support. No, excuse me. Best performance by an actor in a comedy. Steve Carell, Battle of the Sexes. Ansel Elgort, Baby Driver. James Franco, Disaster Artist. Hugh Jackman, Greatest Showman. And uh, Daniel Cayua of uh, of Get Out. Ooh, thing. this is so a, that's cool pretty strong, a really cool category. It is a cool category. I want to hang out with that entire category. Um, maybe f- Franco. I don't know. I think it's Franco or I think get out from uh, Get Out. Yeah, yeah. His name. It's rude to not say his name. I just can't ever yeah, do I don't it. I want to butcher it. We're butchering Cersei for eight months. Um, <laughs> maybe Greatest Showman. Searchy. Maybe maybe this is where the kind of weird tourist moment happens when. Hugh Jack, it's Hugh Jackman. So you're like, yeah, yeah he's great. Hey, Movie's not good, but it's Hugh Jackman, and he and they let him win for Logan. And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he wins for Logan for this. Right. They're like, oh, we can't give you best drama for Logan because mm-hmm. I mean Daniel Day Lewis and Tom Hanks and so and so. So you can just win for the Greatest Showman. Maybe. And then he's it's like, fine. you know what? Everyone's I can happy. do both. Two sides. <laughs> Two sides. Maybe this is the way to recognize uh, Get Out too. So who knows? Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. What do you think, Brian? Best director. Oh, I think I think it's probably James Franco because he's the only, mm-hmm. of that five. I feel like he's the only one who has a legitimate shot to get an Oscar nomination as well. So I would expect him to win that best uh, category. All-American. Best director is uh, yeah, exactly. Is Guillermo del Toro, Martin McDonough, uh, Christopher Nolan, Ridley Scott, and Steven Spielberg. So that's pretty pretty stacked as well. Crazy that Greta didn't get nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thumper. yeah. There's been lots of um outpouring of of unhappiness about that and and, and perhaps rightly so yeah. best director is always is yeah greta get, didn't get nominated jordan peele didn't get nominated um you can go two ways with this you can go the flashy like uh christopher nolan guillermo del toro route or you can be martin mcdonough steven spielberg where their movies are probably going to be super down the middle in terms of the technique that they use and cg and all that that you have to think about so um i i honestly feel in some way that this is christopher nolan's year too i think dunkirk is has at least stood the test of time in terms of the conversation uh it's still one of the top films of the year in my opinion and uh don't i'm just saying don't don't oversleep uh 
or don't sleep on Dunkirk kind of uh, mm. sneaking up on people around this time. It might be the one at the end of the day, like, you know what? At, we we got to give this guy. It, 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 it's a long time coming for him, uh, for Christopher Nolan. So hmm. it's his act. That, that, that yeah, might be just as act as actor. He, he's going to have to, you know, and he's directed Leo before, but he's gonna, he's probably, and who knows, he may, he may have too much integrity to do it, which, which I admire, but I think he will have to limit the scale of his movies and do a kind of Oscar Beatty, yeah. small Christopher Nolan out in December kind of movie. And then he'll win even if he doesn't deserve did it. You hear what you he know, did? Kind of thing. <laughs> he, uh, he actually, when he sent out the screeners for Dunkirk, there was actually no screener in there. And it was like a personal handwritten note. Uh, of him from him explaining why you needed to go see it on the big screen and why it wasn't meant for a small screen. So I'm not even going to try to show it to you in this format, which is kind of funny. People love that. Uh, I don't know. People love that, right? <laughs> when you ingratiate yourself, Chris. Uh, so that's I mean, not, would, that, so I, that does not work in his favor in terms of how it scales for. I mean, we've seen some of the like movie like Gravity, for instance, that has all the clout of to win Best Picture, but it you know it loses it doesn't play it doesn't, well it doesn't translate when you're mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. 2 a.m and you're a hollywood uh you know critic and you're just trying to get through four screeners in that day and yeah you know i just don't think right. it's the same exactly. it's not the same at the, all and dunkirk po- is definitely post, one of those theater movies right the post and and even get out i think mm-hmm. will play much better on a screener site or a dvd or whatever than than dunkirk will and that that doesn't, you know, whether that's fair or not, I don't know, but it's it's tough. That's a that's a tough thing to overcome. I'm super excited. A lot of these movies we haven't had a chance to see yet. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a strong, you know, month of us being able to catch up on some of these. It's a good class. Like, aside from, I don't know about all the money in the world. I'm intrigued to see what happens with that. But you go through this list, and for the most part, there's some outliers here and there. But this is a really strong year uh, for this type of movie, and it does feel. It feels like kind of spread out. Like it feels like the type of year where you're going to have one. You could have one movie. Now, again, we get to see the post and be like, okay, this is winning every single award. But Mm -hmm. at the moment, at least, it feels like one movie is going to get director. Another is going to get actor. Another is going to get actress. And this is going to get screenplay and on down the list. And I personally, I like those years better. It feels more indicative of the movie going experience over like last year where we felt like. La La Land was going to win 10 awards, you know, 10 Oscars, let alone all the other stuff. So I yeah. like that. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Last let one. me give you two more yeah. and then let's be done. Uh, best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture, Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, which I've got to see. That's on Netflix. i got to watch mm-hmm. that. Uh, Hong Xiao for Downsizing, which I believe is the only nomination that movie got. American Treasure, Allison Janney for I, Tonya, uh, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water, and then Best Supporting Actor, Willem Dafoe for Florida Project, which I hear is great, uh, Army Hammer for Call Me By Your Name, Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water, Christopher Plummer, All the Money in the World, and our own American Treasure, Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. Christopher Plummer shot that movie like three weeks ago. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. After all this spacey yeah. stuff went down, they reshot everything with Christopher Plummer, and then he just got nominated for an award love, for it. I love incredible. Christopher Plummer. That's he's an American amazing. treasure too. Oh, now North yeah. American treasure. North American. Yeah, he's North a American. North American yeah. treasure. He. Uh, I'll buy the back one. This is one just because uh, I think the performances felt very good from what I've seen, and just the narrative of it, and the fact that she's kind of a a movie star, or a budding movie star, or borderline 
movie star, watch out for Margot Robbie in that for I Tanya mm. to win the Golden Globe. I don't think she'll win the Oscar for it, but that's a super Golden Globey, Globey performance. Just that's sure. why. Um, and yeah, no, this is tough. This is a heck of a supporting actor category. I love Christopher Blumber, man. I'm glad I'm glad he got a gig. Of, of all the horrible things yep. that have come out of this and, and for good, you know, <laughs> right. I'm glad these guys are going down. Uh, at least, you know, Christopher Plummer can, uh, it, but it would have been great though. Uh, and nothing against him personally, but just narratively for just because I like anarchy. Sometimes I'm like the Steve Bannon of cinema. Uh, it would have been great if like two weeks, it's weird after... that you have that on your business card though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't find you against that, but I can't find my business cards through all my shirts though. But, uh, <laughs> But it would have been here funny somewhere. if two weeks later Christopher Plummer had been busted on like horrible stuff. Oh, that would <laughs> right after Oscar season. Yeah, yeah just or just like they have to shoot it again. Like they yeah. just keep having to shoot the same few scenes. <laughs> that would be hilarious. It's like four scenes, right? That's yeah, it. I don't mean to make light of it. It's a serious yeah. situation, but that would be just <laughs> funny in theory. That would be ironic. It would for sure. Uh, interesting note: you mentioned Ansel Elgort got nominated for. Baby Driver. Interesting note that that got snubbed for both Best Picture yeah. and Comedy slash Musical yeah, comedy. and Best Director. Uh, yeah, it, you would think in the Globes that was such a Globey movie. Yeah, Greatest Showman better be good, man. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I feel stuff. like it got it got it got pushed out for. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Baby, I, I, I don't that... know if I'd put Baby Driver for Best Picture, but it. I mean, it's certainly in the top five of the of the non dramas. I mean, top five, mm-hmm. top seven of yeah, the non-dramas of the year and the non-blockbustery ones that we might have on our lists. But, I mean, good grief. That didn't get any love. Uh, that's kind of mm-hmm. surprising. Maybe Spacey, yeah. Spacey Factor did not help. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Could be. I'm going to go back and rewatch that yeah. one over the next couple of weeks. But at the moment, that one's very firmly entrenched for me in my like in my top five of the year. So maybe yeah. we'll see. I've gone back you know, and watched it. And it holds up. Weeks, I, it, I really enjoyed watching it again. I don't know where it'll fall on my list because I haven't seen probably half my list at this point, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. All right, man, that was fun. It was fun to talk awards, and and we, like I said, we're we're in it now. We are in it. We're here. We're in it. <laughs> and then just think, guys, in two to three months, we're gonna get to see a lot of these movies. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we hit a break slash uh, talk the disaster artist, we did tease. We need to talk about this Jurassic World two Fallen Kingdom oh. trailer. Do we have um, to? Do we? Yeah. Um, I, I I saw it late. I saw yeah. it a few days later. Man. I saw it Oof. just recently, maybe within the last couple of days. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I had seen like a behind the scenes video or something. And then when the actual trailer dropped, I just forgot. Like I thought I had already seen it because I saw this like little preview to the trailer or whatever it was. The actual trailer. Hmm. I think, I, I, think I think the listeners know back. how I feel about Hell, I felt about Jurassic World. I was not. I was probably the most sour on that of the three of us. Did yeah, not, I wish did not we like could all... all the heavy-handed nostalgia and and ugh, no. Yeah, but even in the review, even you though, we were pretty light on it. I mean, I think we were just so excited to have Jurassic Park back in our lives that we were a little. It took us like a few weeks before we started crapping on it. Oh, I don't know. And I guess if I could, say, yeah, look, go back and listen to it, man. I think you gave it like a B. Um, I think if. I could take any episode back. It would be that one. I think in the moment we were caught up in the hype and then like literally 10 days later, I was like, that movie was a piece of crap. The, uh, the sequel looks even worse. The, I actually was in a, in my hotel. I was actually on maybe like TNT this past weekend. 
stumbled upon it, started to watch it again. I, I had forgotten how terrible those kids were when they're in the, the ball and they're like going around. Oh my gosh. That, that, that made it unwatchable to me upon the rewatch. But I, you know what? I like Jurassic Park. It's in my top 10 movies of all time. The original one is don't think you're doing it any kind of a service by adding sequels to it. I know they make a lot of money, but, um, this, this trailer did not look good. They're blowing up the planet. It looks really blow. I mean, blowing up the Island. It looks really blown Um, away bringing gold how much back, leverage kind of can desperate. they get out of that oh man they they had that on the original poster i think for jurassic world they've i mean i'm i you're you're killing a part of my childhood with every one of these sequels <laughs> that comes out you know it's just it's just chipping away at jurassic park is going to move down my list as time goes on and it's eventually going to be out because of all these sequels i'm just going to get sick of the the universe you know so Brian, I'm sure you are. Uh, Luckily, Jumanji will stick in there. Yeah, <laughs> Jumanji oddly getting not bad reviews. Yeah, but really, I was never really high exists. on the first Jumanji. Jack um, Black but... is the greatest kids movie actor ever, so that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Right, he's, he's the Tom he's Hanks there. of kids movie to borrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did you guys think though? I oh, didn't love it. I, I'm willing to give Jay Bay one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. Yeah, I think I hate it the most. I'm willing to give Jay Bay. A. a Bayona a chance because I like some of his other stuff in the same way I gave yeah. Trevor a chance and he failed the pe- the test miserably. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm only going with an open mind, but this trailer did nothing to. Uh, it's a bad me. trailer. There's no qu- there's no question about that. I'm I'm higher on Jurassic World than you two are in that I think it's like a B minus type of a movie, and I you know I didn't love it, and we were. You're right, Richard. We were pretty, probably pretty soft on it in the review. I would still say it's, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's fine. I would much rather watch that than a Transformer or something. Oh, sure. But, but um, regardless, you know, it, it had some spectacle to it. This looks terrible, and maybe there's some hope for it. You know, we've seen what can be done with movies in reshoots and whatnot lately so maybe we're gonna maybe they'll because uh, i don't feel like anybody was super high on this from the trailer it seemed like it was 90 percent negative 10 percent positive so maybe they'll address some of it i don't know but it's a the, bad sign i don't know how you already it selling it hard too. yeah oh, i totally agree it's i like totally already agree. out yeah. pitching it yeah and I, I mean look go get it'll I, make a ton of money regardless it, i don't think they care if it's gonna be good money and get paid and that may be the biggest issue because if if i remember correctly that was the discussion we had on jurassic world was that does this signal bad things for trevorrow and you maybe you could make the same case for for j.a bayona is is like i'm not sure that anyone could really direct these movies the way that that universal has it set up like i just feel like universal knows that this is an atm of a movie they don't care how that plays out and so maybe this just turns into like hey um if you're a director that has any sort of ambition just don't go do these movies because they can just get a second pa basically to do it because of the vision that they have for how these these play out i don't know but i'm with you can i love a monster calls is one of my top 10 movies of the year last year i love what he can do i'm just not sure i don't know that I certainly didn't see it in this trailer, and I'm not sure how it's going to all play out. These, these, this movie 
anyway, it's just it's verging very close, I think, unfortunately, to uh, to becoming something like Transformers, wherein instead what it should be is like trying to be the monster version of the fast movies, right? Like it should just le- you, you can't equal the uh, the intelligence and the scope of the original Jurassic Park. We've tried three times now. This is the fourth attempt to do that. You can't you clearly can't do it. So just at this point, lean in and do stupid stuff and have fun with it. But instead, I feel like it's going the the, the Transformers route. Which, oh, which the scene at the end of the trailer with all the dinosaurs running <laughs> and the balls rolling and it's just stop. I mean, why is that even in the trailer? I mean, you know, what more do you have to do to sell this? Mm, this is already yeah, making a trillion dollars. That it's gonna be the it's gonna be the biggest scene in the movie. You've, we've seen everything we need to see already. Dinosaurs rolling down a hill, Triceratops and. I, it's just more unbelievable as it goes on. They they just keep getting more ludicrous with it, and that was what made Jurassic Park so great. Was it was believable? I don't I don't know. I don't know, guys. Yeah, that's what and I'm I saying. love you the people involved. I love Bryce Dallas Howard, and I love Chris Pratt, and I I'm just like why? And Jeff Goldblum, Gosh, Jeff Goldblum, Gold- American Treasure. But yeah, I mean Chris Pratt's in the kind of just going to get paid uh, mode ever since guardians came out, you know, he did that passengers movie and they, and him and Jennifer Lawrence each made 50 million on that or something crazy. Um, regardless of whether it was good, maybe he's just taking a check on this, who knows, but, uh, he's, he's striking while the iron's hot for sure. Career wise. And he's probably signed on for three or four Jurassic park movies, uh, when he signed the original deal. So I just hope, I hope this goes away. I don't want a reboot of Jurassic Park. I don't want I don't we need to stop. I don't know. We need to stop. All right. Printing yeah. money, baby. Printing, Printing money. cash, homie. Yeah. Um Yeah. Maybe you can bring more of an ensemble into it, Richard. Make it more fun. I don't know. It's t- kind of simultaneously takes itself too serious too. Uh, oh, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. On screen, have any makes... kind of self awareness about right. it. Right, exactly, know. exactly. It thinks it's it thinks it's the original Jurassic Park with all the right. music, music cues and everything. But I think you can do something different. Okay, let's move on and let's talk about the Disaster Artist. We are joined now by a guest to talk the Disaster Artist, and we are joined by Jakob. I think it is. Or is it Jacob or Jakob? Is it a soft J or is it a yeah, hard J? Yeah, it's a soft J, absolutely. Okay, Jakob joins us from Burleson, Texas, and a local kid, actually, uh, right up, right down the road from us, and uh, cool to have you in the building this evening. We're going to put you through the ringer here, though, like we do with all our guests. Ask oh, great. Questions. I love Bill Simmons. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're going to fit right in with uh, Brian and Richard. Um, I'm selling my bills, right. selling my Bill Simmons stock, especially as of this morning, uh, when, and especially I'm, I'm, the I like KOC a lot more than him, actually. Uh, oh, really right now. he oh. is good. He's a good basketball writer. Good job, man. You know your stuff. Good for you. Oh yeah, we're we're missing that Spurs game right now. Uh, sorry, Ma- Mavs Spurs game. It's okay, you're not missing anything. Um, I'm watching it right now, so I don't care. <laughs> we uh, we're gonna put you through the ringer and give you two questions. First of those being, uh, have you seen MacGruber? Have not. Have not oh, seen MacGruber. Oh, it's, I been was hoping, it's been great. It's been great to have that you would on. Be my, uh, just kidding. My, my, my signed DVD, I was hoping for MacGruber. <laughs> uh, but... Wow, we should do oh, that. 
We 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 did do a batch of MacGrubers, I thought. No, we did all now you see me because rightly so, MacGruber is twice as expensive on Amazon. Oh, yeah. oh, oh that's fair. That's fair. That's why I was banking on it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The resale um, value is strong. Right. And especially uh, with our autograph on it, weirdly. Yes. Second question. Have you seen now you see me? Ooh, I just watched it today. In oh my gosh! Of this oh question. no! Just, just. How are you still here? Okay, are you the, okay, buddy? The, the reason I wanted to do this movie is because I love bad movies. I love The Room. Uh, oh. I loved Now You See Me. It's so terrible. <laughs> yes. Oh I, have you seen Now You See Me too yet? Did I have not immediately fallen no. up. Oh, I'm, I'm waiting well, for my uh, even better my, my next guest appearance. I will have watched. Okay, cool. Because there's a uh, there's two Woody Harrelsons in the second one. Double your Woody, double your fun. <laughs> hey, uh, hey yeah, 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 see, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't intentional, but uh, but no, it is. So it gets even worse, my friend. Slash better, but yeah, I as think... long as there's a twist, uh, that's oh, all. I care. Well, man, we'll oh, see you boy. at the. Don't spoil it, dude, but we'll see you at the carousel later. But I think you're right in that uh, I think Now You See Me is a, is, a, is a movie much like The Room that is bad. But but that is one thing in common. But I think it's a certain type of bad that communally uh, could be an interesting experience, you know, could have a life of mm-hmm. there's bad movies that are terrible in any environment. And then there are bad movies that when you have the right group of friends and perhaps uh, the right you know, substances that can be really fun. And that, that could, uh, now you see me could follow in a line of the room. I don't know if it'll ever get there because it's not quite, you know, it's a studio production, but who knows? People are starting to, uh, sour over. Now you see me over the, over time. I felt, I felt the, the the wrath has come down, especially over the past six, eight months on. Now you see me, people are starting to be like, remember that movie? Now you see me and how weird that was, (laughs) you know, uh, hopefully (laughs) it's because the man fam is just growing and spreading the word. Because uh, the eye is watching at all times. Who, we all know. Who would you cast for Jesse Eisenberg in the disaster artist oh. for Now You See Me? <laughs> Michael Sarah. Yeah, Michael Sarah. <laughs> the person people Perfect. think is Jesse Eisenberg all the time. Anyway. <laughs> I would, would cast uh, Kevin Spacey or Bruce Willis uh, since they're all Lex Luthers. Well, Kevin Spacey will never work, work again in any situation. So, oh, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, let's go. Let's go with American Treasure Bruce Willis then. There we go. Uh, Yaku. For now. Uh, okay. So you mentioned that you like the room and I've never really been pro one way or the other on the room. I I know that it kind of existed. I wasn't really in the camp of people that watched it all the time and made fun of it all the time. And, but I had seen it and I thought it was bad, but I didn't, it, it was to me. Troll two is the best worst movie ever. And the room is in the conversation there's some funny parts, but I, I certainly didn't know the backstory. And I'm, I'm certainly not one of the people that watches The Room a couple times a year or rewatches it. And it's a thing with their friends, like you said, Richard, or anything like that. So I went into it with that perspective. But Jakob, you said you like it. How often do you rewatch it? Is it one of your top bad movies to, to kind of uh, tell people about? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I, I try to go for more under the radar ones. Like um, uh, th- there's terrible stuff on Amazon Prime you can find. But uh, yeah, if people say, hey, what's a bad movie? I'll go, oh, The Room. Just YouTube it. The best stuff's there. Eight minutes long. You don't have to watch the whole thing. But I oh, I don't rewatch it that often. Uh, I did before seeing the movie, but 
it's not something I sit down and I'm like watching by myself uh, or with <laughs> friends or anything. Yeah. What, what is Brian Richard, what's y'all's backstory on the room? I know we've joked about it on the show before, but I don't know if you guys are really into it or what, or had even heard of it yeah. for that matter. Yeah, no, I, uh, I was in it. Gosh, not too. I mean, I wasn't like an early, what, when did it come out? Like, Oh, three, Oh four. Yeah. Like oh, three. Yeah. I probably got into it again bringing back we were talking earlier before recording uh when during my borders years when i was in the bookstore it was a thing with our group so probably like 08 09 i went through like a year or two thing maybe maybe 2010 i don't know somewhere in those three three or four years i was i was uh groups of us would, would watch it and talk about it uh producer steven actually is a big room always been a big tommy he thinks Tommy Wiseau is one of the great American artists, of course, because he's Steven. Um, <laughs> Next American Steven treasure opinion. nominee. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. He's all American guy. Um, he's from New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I was aware of it, had kind of forgotten about it. Didn't know that that book had come out uh, a couple years ago uh, by Sestero or however you say his last name. So. Uh, so I'd kind of like it kind of, and I knew I, I, but then I had heard, see, I had heard Franco was making this for a few years and I thought it was going to be, and we'll talk about this as we talk about it more, but you know, I didn't think it would ever be like a big release or any, even really, you know, Franco makes like 80 movies a year that no one ever sees. Mm -hmm. I kind of thought it would be that I did. I think the Seth Rogen influence was really good for him to like actually produce a coherent film (laughs) as a producer. (laughs) Um, I saw Warner brothers behind it. I was surprised when I saw that logo. I was like, dude, this is a big studio movie. Totally. Maybe they did just they just it's a real they Hollywood probably, movie. Well, they were able to pitch the the cult following that it had and be like, listen, yeah. if anything else, you'll get a ton of cult people going to see it, and we'll be able to go do screenings of it and have fun, good rocking time, and it'll be <laughs> it'll be all supporting and our I, fan base of anything didn't else. They sell it though? Did they? Did, was it always Warner Brothers behind it, or did they sell it at Con? I don't know. I remember they sold Not some distribution sure. on it. Maybe after it was made. I saw that. I saw that shield when I, you know. To open the movie, and that's what surprised me right off the bat. I was like, "Wow, Warner Brothers! It's a big product." I mean, the the room has the the was so films like logo. I'm surprised they didn't do that at the beginning, like some kind of rip off of that, like Franco Films and like some kind of old like was so terrible graphic, you know, at the beginning and made kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. But it was surprising to see, yeah, Lionsgate I think did it as well. Um, no, it was a uh, New Line, New Line Warner Brothers. So maybe they did the distribution on it. I don't know. But um, I don't know about Franco, man. Franco's he's he's kind of an American treasure candidate because he's just so involved and and cares so much about movies and like doing great, like so respectful and how he like goes about it, you know. And I think that time will be kind to Franco. I know he's gone through a rough patch over the past couple of years, but I feel like over time people are going to say, "Man, that guy was really." he was really doing his own thing and, in and bringing some credibility to that whole group of actors. I, I think Jonah Hill has kind of crossed over there too. Seth Rogen's still kind of teetering on that. Uh, should we accept you in real Hollywood or not uh, line? And uh, Franco, I think carries this movie in terms of acting, but I think the jury's still out on is Franco a good director. I did not think this movie was well directed, um, but I thought it was a fun story, and I love Franco's spin on Wiseau and his impersonation or interpretation of that and everything. So I'm excited to talk about this with you. What did you guys, uh, Jakob, generally think about uh, The Disaster Artist as a movie? Uh, I've, I've gotten more mixed on it as I've gotten further away from it. I think I left the theater because of the, the 
can we just can we say spoilers for this? Uh, are there really spoilers? Are there? I don't think I mean, so. The spoiler is that the movie got, got made, made and became a big cult <laughs> classic for being bad. I mean, that's the yeah. spoiler. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should say up front. Like this is it's this movie's kind of hard to. It's definitely it was definitely hard to market. It's a it's in some ways it's hard to review because if you don't have a familiarity with with the subject matter, I don't know how you could not necessarily enjoy the movie. Like I was talking to one of my friends, Brian Simpson, who's a, who's a listener. Uh, he went and saw it today, and he he didn't have any uh, prior knowledge of of what the room is or anything like that. He still had a good time with it, but I think he is in the in the vast minority. I think it's really hard to go to this movie and enjoy it if you don't know what it's talking yeah. about. And it, and I definitely think it was hard to sell it as well, just from that standpoint. It's you you you're either in or you're out, just based on. As soon as that trailer starts, you're like, oh, I know what this is because you've seen the room, you know. And if you haven't, then I think there's a lot of people who are like, what is this? What just happened? I don't I'm very confused by that three minutes. So that's it's it makes it hard to review as well, I think, from that standpoint. Absolutely. Jacob. Yeah, but um, but to get back to it. So at the end, they showed the side by side shots of the room and then all of these people doing the room impersonations right. and uh, I felt really good leaving on that note. And as I've gotten away from it, it it's more mixed for me. Uh, there's some highs, like I, I liked Franco a lot. Um, I really liked the making of scenes in the film. Uh, but it, then some of the downsides for me were like the pacing. It felt kind of weird. The underutilized actresses and Alison Brie and uh, Ari Grainer. Mm-hmm. And then the, the kind of balance between that relationship stuff and the making in the film felt off to me. And uh, just ca- kind of the whole end of the second act, too, was kind of weak. But um, I, I don't know. I, I was hoping this conversation maybe picked me up a little bit. But uh, just thinking about it more, moving away, yeah. not not as hot on it. I actually thought it would be more of a comedy than it was. I know that sounds weird, but it felt mm-hmm. a bit Lifetime movie, you know, uh, like a, something you'd see during the day. But I think on purpose, I think it kind of tried to have that vibe of the room in the same kind of filmmaking style of the room. And so I thought it would be more of a straight up comedy than a true story with comedic elements intertwined into it. Uh, this, this movie would not have been interesting at all. If the room, the making of the room, the movie, the actual movie was, a, was a totally normal story. Right. But what makes this movie work is that it's an unbelievable story of this Tommy guy who, has all this money. No one knows why no one knows where this guy came from. And he just hired all these people and made his own movie. And it became this huge cult phenomenon. It's just a weird, crazy story. And I, I was just super interested to know this story. I didn't know all the details of it. I didn't know anything about where they went. I love the scene where they go into the camera store and they're, they're working out how they're going to rent the equipment and he knows nothing. And he's just throwing his credit card down or whatever. I loved all that stuff. I love the, the behind the scenes aspect of how this how this got made and it's so funny that we you know it was released in 2003 this movie looks like it was made in 1985 <laughs> it looks terrible for cinemax oh yeah. it looks yeah. awful and it's funny if true that they went and bought all the most cutting edge cameras and stuff i mean it looks whew, it does not hold up i i think i saw the blu-ray too on this last rewatch it did not that was not a good investment to shoot it in digital and on film, which makes no <laughs> sense at all. No sense. Like, let's do both. <laughs> I love that. Um, 
but uh yeah richard any uh, thoughts on disaster artist and uh in the the film yeah i couldn't figure out i mean the kind of low budge or kind of uh weird aesthetic feel of this um can't, james franco can't put the freaking camera on the tripod it's always this eyewitnessy i i guess this yeah kind of the point of i this couldn't is tell if that was on, on purpose wall. or not but yeah. i mean i don't i don't need to just have a standard dialogue scene and the camera's like in an earthquake while it's just two people talking i don't understand the the need for the shaky cam all the time i understand it when people are walking or something like that but i don't need it all the time and franco's really bad about that and that's one of the first things I noticed, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. He doesn't anchor. He doesn't anchor anything. I don't know if the aesthetic directorial or is on purpose though. I'm with you, Richard. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't make mm-hmm. up my mind on that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but, uh, but as terms of the script, this is definitely, definitely, uh, you know, tighter than other Franco. Joe. I've seen some, of, you know, I've seen some of his, like he did a couple uh movies, like of course, like in within a month's time, he did a couple of William Faulkner adaptations they're just like men didn't he no he did um he did as i lay dying dying, that's what it was yeah as i lay dying and uh gosh another obvious battle maybe i'm trying to no something uh, it doesn't matter right now but uh no yeah but you know he does so much he's he he crams you know teaches at like nyu or something film who knows there's like so much that whole stuff whole stuff is kind of weird to me I, i don't know if i believe a lot of it like when he said he took like 60 credit hours a semester at ucla i don't know it's all well fishy to me but regardless uh you know i, I like someone who likes franco but you know could maybe i'm just stupid i don't know but he yeah he is an odd director his he has like very kind of student film aesthetic um and it kind of worked here and sometimes and then it kind of didn't at times in terms of directorially but i thought his performance in the script especially i could tell you know seth rogan is kind of a goofy guy but <laughs> You know, he is a really professional screenwriter, and I think having that kind of – and I know the script wasn't written by either of them, but, you know, having having that type of influence and the, plus the screenwriter's uh, influence on the film really really helped, I think, kind of focus Franco into <laughs> let's just do this weird performance, and I'll do a few aesthetic things, but it still, like, was, a for him, a fairly tight movie. Yeah, I agree. I think – like. I I probably at times I've maybe been the the least Franco-y of of the three of us and for me the problem always comes down to you you just hit it Richard is he never he's not focused to me as he's just is kind of you know I I give Matt Damon a lot of credit for like he'll just show up in Thor or whatever like he just kind of does whatever comes across the desk that he sounds interesting to him and I think Franco is a lot like that except that he is just so ADD in everything that he does. And whenever you can get him to focus in, he's really good. Um, and I, man, I thought he was the direction. Sure. Is, is certainly not the, the, the highlight of the film. Um, but I, in some ways, I don't know that that, I don't know that anybody would have directed this particularly well, like so stand out that you're just like, man, the direction on that movie was great. Maybe the camera stuff can't, that you maybe just make it to where I'm not dizzy. You know, like just see, I never, I didn't notice it. that at all, and it didn't, and and I, you know, that just, I'm not, you know, that's me versus you, the way you look at a movie versus I guess, me, I yeah. guess, but I just, that didn't, it didn't, it certainly didn't take me out of it, and maybe it was as much as anything as it felt fitting for the subject matter and what he's, you know, what he's trying to mm-hmm. accomplish, but just from from an acting standpoint, I thought 
across the board it was it was incredibly well done yeah, I, I, thought I, thought he got a, I thought he got a lot out of out of the actors yeah. now you know, the camera and and the script and whatnot but it's it's a like i said at the outset it's a weird it's a weird movie to try to dissect in some ways just because of by its nature it's almost it's almost like performance art and less of a movie in a way just because of the way that it's it's designed to come across and that makes it hard to like pin down some of these things to me i mean i i put it in the in the same category as we just saw greta gerwig direct a movie right and we just saw jordan peele direct a movie i after that i could say and tell man they really have a future at this I don't. I put Franco more into the George Clooney camp of directing. Like, yeah, he's got a name. He probably has been experienced on a movie set, but does he really have the aesthetic that you need to be a director? I don't know. Uh, but that's not. You're right. That's not this. That's not the the story here. That's just a footnote. I think the story is definitely the performance. Uh, how did you guys feel about the performance of Tommy? Tommy's such a an interesting person in, in real life that it, you would feel like it would be really hard to personify or, uh, you know, characterize him the way that, that Franco did. I was very impressed with that, but I can see why people would be turned off by it. Had you, if you had no context of the room or Tommy or anything like, like who is this guy? You would have been very annoyed. I'm sure like, this is like a bad Mike Myers character or something. You know, <laughs> it's like, what is going on? But the fact that it's a real person and knowing Tommy and seeing the room and all that, I, I, I really appreciated his interpretation. And towards the end of the movie, you, you, the, the line really starts to blur between Tommy and James Franco in a weird way. And, uh, I like that too. So, uh, Jakob, how did you feel about, about Franco as Tommy? Oh, I, I loved it. It is easily my favorite part of the movie. Um, I, I think it's the sunglasses for that. He's wearing during a lot of the movie. I didn't really notice Franco. Right. Like, uh, I got taken out of Django by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I just kept going, oh, that's him. And with this, I was like, this is Tommy. Like, uh, the, the the line was blurring for me really early on. Um, and I was like, he didn't just do a, a silly accent. It's easy to make a caricature of this silly guy who made a bad movie. And I, I, I do feel like Franco went the extra mile to like get to know him and get to know the character and really play like some nuance so that we, we as an audience go, Oh, okay. I I feel some empathy for this guy. I pity him. Oh, look, he's a jerk here. And, and you know, part of that's the writing too, but I think a lot of it was his, the the way he was portraying it on the screen really helped me out with that. The, the making of the room and Tommy's story in general is just a, it's a story of, of sympathy, right? It's a, it's a, it's a good hearted, story there's good intention there right he he made the movie with only the best intentions of him and and his uh his friend getting into the movie business you know they really they really they there there is a lot of i guess uh moral to the story but go ahead sorry in in the the in the story and it Mm -hmm. comes across a little bit in the movie but in the I haven't read the book this is secondhand but he's a very manipulative tommy is and and He's not uh, uh, the the relationship they had. Uh, he and Greg was really toxic, and you know uh, the the movie. Oh, what's Glosses it called? Over it. Yeah, no the the movie sub talented Mister Ripley. Mm-hmm. Um, they watched it together after Greg realized, oh, this is my relationship with Tommy, and it's really messed up. And Tommy was super inspired by it, and. He was always sabotaging Greg's career, uh, which he does in this movie with uh, Brian Cranston and mm-hmm. um, 
I, I don't know. I, I feel like they could have played him up a little bit more as a villain, which I guess that's the point of the movie is he's not just a villain. You know, there's more to him than that. But um, really, really, I think it was a little bit more sinister from my understanding than yeah. just, oh, we're best friends making a movie. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of the backstory between him and Greg Sestero or anything like that. There's a, there's a bit of schadenfreude involved in the room in general with the, the you know seeking pleasure out of seeing other people fail like seeing a bad audition on SNL is like they're only they think they're awesome like Tommy Wiseau and everybody involved in the room other than you know the people that made it uh, the people that he hired which was funny with Rogan as the guy that's like you know at least the best thing about this is that no one will see it you know <laughs> just the mm-hmm. irony of that whole thing of the people that were making the movie just didn't care because they knew it was so bad that they just trying to get a check and get out of there kind of a thing uh, so there's always pleasure in seeking other people fail, but I think this does shed light on the actual story of this Tommy was just a guy trying to make it and trying to live the American dream and, and only wanting to say he was from America, best country ever, and all the stuff that uh, that he says in the, throughout the movie. It really won me over in terms of being a Wizzo fan. I thought Wizzo was just a weird guy. But now I think he's kind of a hero. He's, he's he is a hero. I mean, he went to <laughs> he went to the to the promised land and and made himself a movie star. I mean, that's amazing. That that's like a Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? He 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 lived mm-hmm. the dream. So really, definitely a different way than Schwarzenegger. But there is a there's a there's a there is a heartwarming story there. Go ahead. And yeah. Arnold from that's... Europe. Right. I think that's maybe the best part of the movie for me is I was really expecting this to be. Uh, much more like a a dark comedy and really delve into the the emotions of everything that's happening here and the the darkness inside and all this sort of stuff and really that I think that would have come across a that wouldn't have played well I think because because if you don't know well even if you do know a, quite a bit about this there there's part I I don't know it's like there's part of me that's like, I don't know if I'm really allowed to laugh at this guy because I'm not totally sure he's all there. And I don't know how that <laughs> works really well. So I, that would have been, I think, a little bit disconcerting. But instead, it's very – I feel like the movie goes and, – and Franco he goes out of his way to prevent the movie from becoming cynical. And that's very hard. Like the movie's just about two dudes that <laughs> while they're not – particularly talented that two people who had a dream and and saw it through and it didn't super work out quite the way that they expected but um but look this you know this movie came out 15 years ago we're still talking about it and there's still screenings all across the world all the time and whatnot and i'm not a big bad movie watcher at all i i pretty much hate bad movies just across the board i don't i don't i don't know it's it's not in my dna like it is in yours jacob but um it's but it, it's kind of when you look at just the story from kind of like if you pull away from it and you don't see all the details and whatnot, if you just look at the the three sentence uh, treatment for what you know this story is, it's pretty amazing. And and I'm I was I wasn't expecting uh, I wasn't expecting Franco to handle it with such uh, regard and with such. I don't know, kindness in a way like it, it just really easily could have been a super cynical, dark, depressing movie. And that's what I really expected it to be. And and it, it 
was not that at all. And I, I, I greatly appreciated that. It, to me, it made the movie a much more enjoyable experience than I ever could have imagined uh, going in. And it's mostly just because of that, because of that, um, the disposition of the film, I guess. Yes, you mentioned Jacob about not being or not being able to tell Franco from from Tommy a little bit. Something that kind of threw me off was the fact that Dave Franco was Sistero and they're brothers and they look yeah. alike and that whole thing. Maybe it would have worked a little bit better if that had been somebody else as Sistero. Uh, so I kept thinking about that. I'm like, that's Dave Franco, not not Greg Sistero. I didn't and I didn't I buy think the, the lack of a beard dye and all help. that. Yeah, and the fact that his beard was like pasted on and he can't grow facial hair. They had to do that whole <laughs> thing. It was weird. Yeah, it definitely was kind of jarring. That it kind of took me out of it, um, in a sense. But man, what a star-studded cast! This is just all Franco's friends, right? He's just calling up Paul Shear. Isn't Dave Franco dating Allison Brie? So that's probably why she was in it. They're married. Oh, they're married. Okay. Well, there you go. And He's probably just like, yeah, Shear. we got this part. It's not a big part, but if you want to do it, she's probably yeah. Maybe that's why it's under. It's a big name actress. It's underutilized. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked. I like Paul Shear a lot in this movie. Um, his range of like, you know, kind of making fun of him, but also getting upset when it, you know the nude scene was my favorite scene. Whenever he goes off on Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really liked that, and I, I liked his performance. It's such a you know really small role in the movie. Um, I, I know he's another bad movie fan because he does that podcast, and mm-hmm. um, same yeah, with, I, uh, I liked what he same did. with uh, Jason Monzukas too. The How did this mm-hmm. get made? That podcast and uh, June Diane Raphael played. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name? I can't. The girlfriend of Mike. Right. Uh, yeah, she was in it too. Kelly Oxford. I wasn't as aware the, there uh, other... as a makeup artist. Yeah, that was a weird. Oh, yeah. noted, noted that was a weird... humorous humor uh art uh author kelly oxford so yeah just all of rogan and franco's friends just making this movie about the movie that they probably watched together and uh, laughed about over the over the past couple of years it's it's definitely a passion project in a way for these for these guys too to kind of shed some light on this movie and uh and spread the love you know we talk about mcgruber and now you see me all the time imagine if we made a movie about the making of mcgruber and now you see me and it brought that many more people into the the club of people that make fun of or, or, or talk about now you see me or, or one of those movies like we do. Uh, it, it, there's definitely a little bit of public service to this too. And they feel like they were, they were telling a story that needed to be told. And this is being very well received. It's being more well received than I, I thought it would. I thought more people would be turned off by just the outlandish nature of Tommy and, and Franco's interpretation of that. And it wouldn't really translate, but the critics are loving this one. And I think it's their highest rated, movie that they've done together, Rogan and, uh, mm-hmm. and Franco yeah. together. Um, so that's, that's cool. I know freaks and geeks is like hundred percent or something, but this is like writing at 93, four something like that. So definitely is good. And it, it did, like we mentioned earlier, we got the Glo- the globe nomination for, for best picture. Um, so, wow. Could this, could this be a, could this be a win? Maybe I didn't think I really enjoyed this movie, but I don't know if this is in my top 10 of the year. Like I really liked it, but I don't know if, if I'll, I'd probably rather just watch the room again, you know, <laughs> rather than, Oh watch gosh. Uh, just, uh, I loved how they did do the side by side. Like you mentioned at the end of the, how painstakingly they, they put the scenes together. Uh, what's the guy's name from, uh, hunger games that was in this uh, Josh, Hutcherson. Josh Hutcherson. God, he was yeah. so funny. He was really he was good great. at this. Yeah. I think that's the best, like, just performance-wise. And he, he has two lines and three facial expressions. It's not like yeah. he's, 
you know, just dominating screen time. I thought he was great. He's really good I, in um, uh, Future Man, which is I think Rogan's producing a series for Hulu, like a like a sci-fi series. And Hutcherson, I saw the pilot. He's really good in that too. This guy's watch out for him. Yeah, he's he got a lot of crap because he's not particularly good in Hunger Games, and he wasn't mm-hmm. the fans' choice to play that character and whatnot. But he's he's very good. It's it's hard. We got to give. I think you got to give all these these actors credit. It is very very hard. It's one thing to be like, hey, I need you to be great in a movie. I think that's hard enough to tell somebody who is a good actor, as all of these people are, to tell them that they have to be terrible, that they have to act in a way that exactly matches what is happening in the room which features like five of the worst actors in the history of mankind like that's i think that's harder i think it's harder to do what josh hutcherson did than like i don't know what gary oldman is doing in the darkest hour it's really difficult to pull that off yeah man it it's the room is worthy of an episode in and of itself i mean that that movie Within the five minutes, there's like this MacGruber sex scene in it. Like, what is happening yes. in this? 25 so, minutes, there are three sex scenes. Yeah. That's <laughs> And the music is almost four. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It, and they're, oh, gosh, it's it's I pretty they, brutal. They brought there's light like, on the fact in the movie about when, when the Hutcherson guy like, jumps into the bed butt. with them. And so, yeah. It's like, what uh, is going on? <laughs> creepiest, weirdest thing ever. I thought Efren was great, too. And uh-huh. I'm I, this oh, yeah. is my this is what I want for him for the rest of his career is just showing up. I don't think he's a particularly good. I don't want him in any dramas and I want him to stay away from like franchise films that I really care about, but just popping up in comedies and stuff is what he's best at. He's so funny in that kind of a role. Did you guys see SNL with Franco last week? Uh, I just saw the uh, sexual harassment, Charlie sketch that everyone got up in arms about. Yeah. With, uh, with Kenan Thompson. Yeah, fun, of course, every every sketch involves Keenan Thompson. Why, why don't I say that? But uh, no, they did a little kind of reunion with uh, Seth Rogen was there, like in the audience during the monologue. They did a little back and forth, and then Jonah Hill comes out, and it's the three of them. And Jonah Hill weighs about 125 pounds. Like it's like what is with this guy and in the weight fluctuation? It's crazy. It, it's, he's unrecognizable now. I wonder what he's working on because I don't know the last thing I saw. Saw him in, but um, I'm sure it's he's gonna got be good. a uh, he's got a Netflix show um, with Emma Stone. They're the leads, and it's Carrie Fukunawa. Am I saying that correctly? Oh, cool. The uh, it's a dark comedy from him, so I think that's gonna be a big limited series winner next year. Um, there's a premise. It's it's high concept. I can't remember what it is. Everyone at home can now Wikipedia this. It's very high concept, but I I can't remember what that what that context is. It's been a it's been a long day. Very cool. Well, man, I I enjoyed this movie. I don't I don't know if it has the clout for an Oscar nomination for Franco. That'd be kind of cool surprise if he did get recognized for this. But like I said, I don't know if it, it has the, the the competency for it to compete with the Daniel Day Lewis's and Tom Hanks's or anything like that in the in that in terms of that. So it's cool that it got recognized by the Globes, but might be the extent of its award relevancy this year. Uh, I think he's got yeah. a good chance. I think he's got Oscar? a pretty good case for for an Oscar nomination, not for the win. I don't yeah, think that'd be. All, I, think, I hope so, man. Yeah, I think he's got a good case. We'll see. The one thing I would say, if he we have to globe, factor this maybe. in, I don't think because of the attention he brought, I do not think the Academy likes him very much because of the hosting situation. So 
I would be a little bit more surprised than I normally would for anyone else if he was nominated. Yeah. So, so Jonah Hill probably release something and then get another nomination. He's nominated for like eight Oscars or something crazy. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so you guys have any other thoughts on, on the disaster artist before we uh, we'll hand out some grades here? Hi, doggy. Thoughts, fun, fun scenes, <laughs> bad scenes. Jacob, like anything else, man? This is your moment. Oh, man. What, what was y'all's favorite joke in the movie that was not related to the room? Ooh, related to the room? Yeah, awesome. well, not not uh, directly, oh. you know, a, a thing from the, like, uh, I don't know, b- because of the movie, it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that that I already said it when, when Rogan says at least the at least nobody will have to see this. Uh, yes that was my favorite joke um probably just rogan in the screening that was quite funny just his you know the throwaway lines that they as they'd cut to him Mm -hmm. was pretty great how how did you guys feel about that scene of the screening where everybody you know they're at the screening and everybody it turns and everybody starts laughing and he leaves and comes back and realizes it's a big hit i wonder how truthful that situation was but Mm. um that that's definitely the biggest character building moment for for everybody is when he realizes right. that he, if anything, he made a success for some for some reason. If it wasn't his intention, mm-hmm. he's he's still a star, whether he's for the reason he wanted to or not. But oh, that was a really that's good the key scene. to the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 tone of the whole movie hinges on whether or not that scene plays well, and I for me it did. It worked well. From my understanding, that. Uh, it didn't happen that way at all. People were like leaving it, uh, the screening. Some came back to like abuse it and throw stuff at it. And uh, there was no, um, Oh, look, you're, you're an inspiration. You know, that came much later, like around the time Richard's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't even know if Greg Sestero went to the premiere. I know he previewed it with like friends and family or something. And again, that's all secondhand. I could be very wrong here, but my understanding yeah, I got to read this book. I'm su- I wasn't I knew this book existed and I was just like I vaguely know enough to just you know, I'm fine. I don't need the book, but it's Bissell having too, who's book, great. Yeah. Who covered with him, who's awesome. Go back on that. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going to grade this out now. Uh I'm going to give this an A minus. Yeah, A minus. What do you guys give it? Let's go with the guess. A minus. Oh. oh, sorry. I'll just get it out of the way. A minus as well for me. A minus for me. Jacob? Uh, I'll go with a B plus. Brian? Yeah, like I was going to go A minus, but I feel like I'm higher on it than you guys are overall, so I'm going to bump mine up to a low A. How about that? I thought it was funny uh, how they kind of explained to the water bottle in the in the high mark yes. scene because like oh every time i've seen the room i'm like why is he throwing a water bottle an empty water bottle <laughs> and it was funny how they kind of explained that it yeah. was to make him concentrate it was good uh wow amazing okay let's move on guys let's hit a weekly recommend weekly recommends uh as is tradition on the show we shall let our guest recommend something first oh okay um Let's see. I did not come prepared. Can I plug oh, you, you can't plug my whatever own you want. podcast? All right. Sure. Uh, yeah, we, we do a little show called Three Guys, One Movie. It's basically this, but uh, I don't think we're as qualified as you guys are. Um, uh, you can Sequel find us on... Two Girls, One Cup, in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we have... Go to RedTube for that one. <laughs> <God>. um, <laughs> no, don't do that. Sorry. 
This is a PG show. Uh, don't <laughs> don't do that. Um, yeah, you can go to blastchamberradio.com is what my boss told me to plug. And uh, I don't know, follow us on uh, Instagram, Three Guys One Movie Pod. Uh, I post not very funny stuff, but very informative stuff about the show. And uh, some movie posters, just whatever I'm in the mood for. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Also, that's uh, cool. Watch... I did not know there were other podcasts, so that's that's yeah. good. Yeah. It's good to know. That yeah, I thought we invented it. the medium. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, kind of a shot to ego, to be honest. I don't know. That's hard. If I can say, watch The Sitter on Netflix. Uh, I think that's the name of it. A really good movie. Uh, really stylistic and well written. I like that a lot. The Babysitter. Just, that's what it's called. The Babysitter. Okay. Yeah. Is it the original movie you're talking about? The Netflix movie. Yeah, 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 the baby uh, Yeah, mm-hmm. hey, sorry if y'all discussed that Not on here. The sitter is the Jonah Hill movie, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, the the babysitter. Thank you. Yeah, McG plug respect. <laughs> I uh, I like the Netflix original original uh, movies. You mentioned Mudbound earlier. I still need to see that, Brian. Um, mm-hmm. they're, getting, they're getting more and more, uh, I guess, credibility every year. In terms of the movies, I know their TV shows are successful, but their actual full-length movies, Okja is one that we haven't mentioned much this year that was a very good that they did. Maybe That was their first, I think, Netflix movie movie, right? fully funded by them and everything. Um, cool. Well, uh, check out his podcast uh, if you will. I mean, if you wish, uh, listener. Go ahead, Brian. I'm going to recommend a movie. I'm in a... Uh, I'm- Towards the end of the year, every year, I, I try to binge through as many movies as I can that I've missed before we do like our top 10 episodes. And I do blogs, posts, and things like that and make a full movie list of everything that I that I saw in the year. So I've watched four or five movies the last uh, last few days and, and will continue to do so through the end of the year. Um, I watched a movie that uh, I was – I was super interested in earlier in the year and I, I just I think it only had theatrical release for a couple of weeks and it was at a bad time where I just couldn't get out to Dallas to see it. Uh, it's called The Hero with uh, future American treasure Sam Elliott uh, as the, the lead. And it's just it's just, I, I mean, it's not autobiographical, but you would kind of you would think it is just based on who what you know about Sam Elliott and who, you know, his kind of presence on screen. But it's just about and it's it's very small little drama about uh an aging actor who is trying to kind of regain, have like his last hurrah on screen at the same time as um, getting a, a medical diagnosis. And, and it's basically just Sam Elliott um, being Sam Elliott for, for an hour and a half and playing off of like Nick Offerman and, uh, and Laura Prepon and whatnot. It's, it's, the movie is solid. Sam Elliott is, is great. That's yep. he's just he kills. He's just so he's so interesting on screen uh, and off, and his voice is great. And it's so it's you may you may walk away from the movie saying like well, that was like a C plus or a B minus, but his performance is is an A plus, and it's 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 captivating. It's it's really worth watching. So I I'm assuming I actually rented a disc, which is still a thing you can do, but it's on like Amazon streaming, and I'm sure on. Um, Apple TV and stuff like that, but uh, but check it out. It's it's worth your time. Uh, Richard, go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna do another podcast as well on WTF. Uh, Mark Maron's show. They did a he did a long one last week with James Franco, and it's a pretty insightful, oh, cool. interesting. Franco's super game and like really is into the medium and like really wants to like explain himself. Probably over so he's kind of nervous talking the whole time, but it's a really captivating listen. So uh, kind of tying in with this movie, I recommend that. Very cool. 
uh, I am going to pull Richard and recommend a book to you guys. What? Yeah. Whoa. Well, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago in our American Treasure segment in which we inducted multiple, multiple Ameri- new American Treasures. Check out our website for the details. Um, we talked about American Treasure Stephen King. We inducted him. When I, I just went back and looked at his book, started reading a lot of his other uh, less famous stuff, I guess, not Pet Cemetery and It. I started just looking at what else has this guy written, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I started reading one of his short story books uh, just after sunset. Have you guys read any of his short story books or his collections or anything like that? It's been a while, and I like high school. Really? And I can't yeah. remember if I've read that one or not. That one, This one came out in 08. Uh, it's the fifth one. Okay, so did. no, it I just it struck me by the the cover was was interesting on it. So this one I picked, uh, really really enjoyed it. Each story is maybe twenty twenty five pages. They're kind of self contained, mm-hmm. and they ha- they each have a beginning, middle, and end. I've really enjoyed it so far. So if you're looking for uh, some good uh, fiction, but not something too long, you're gonna have to invest nine hours of your day into every day. Mm-hmm. They're really fun little reads in between meals or whatever, you know, when you're on your break or whatever, they're really fun to read. So just after sunset is the name short stories by Stephen King, American treasure, Stephen King. That's America. That's great. His, his short stories he, are better. I think than his narrative stuff, like his long narrative stuff. They're, fun. Really, they're really fun. It's, like, it's, it's as if he had an idea and he's like, Man, I really like this idea, but I don't know if I can get a full book out of it. But I'm still yes. going to write it. I'm still going to write what I can, yes. and and maybe someday I'll I'll flesh it out more. But I really like that he does that. He just just doesn't just release the the ones that are big. He releases everything, <laughs> all of his little little uh, weird ideas. I love that. I'm gonna have to go back and 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 uh, read more of his stuff. Uh, the short stories. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Jacob, Jakob, you've been great. And uh, thanks, Ken. Appreciate you having you on and being so knowledgeable about the room because we clearly weren't, uh, per usual. And uh, we want to know where can we find you online? Where can you find me online? Um, man, nowhere really. Okay. I, I don't have an online presence. Oh, cool. We'll just check out your yeah. podcast then. That's cool. All absolutely. right. Probably smarter. That's about it. Smarter that way. Brian, how about you? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on all social media at Richard Barden or madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on the Twitter, Kent Garrison, kentgarrison.com, and uh, my Instagram, Snapchat as well. Follow me and follow along with the show. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. It really helps. Tell your friends. Join the Mam Fam. Join the VIP club for a dollar a week for bonus fun content. This week we're talking about Ryan Johnson's Brick. So if you're uh, seeing Star Wars and you want want to know more about Ryan Johnson, join the VIP club. And uh, we got that conversation for you over there. We'll see you in the VIP. But until then, until next week, uh, until a few days from now, we're talking Star Wars. We'll see you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs.